0: Uh, well, Good morning and welcome to Liberty Bible Church. Uh, my name is Tim. I serve as one of the pastors uh, here. In a moment, I'm going to go to Luke 5 uh, for our sermon for this morning. Uh, but first, uh, before we do that, I want to I pray and just uh, briefly address uh, what happened this week in our country, the, the shooting in Nashville at a, a Christian school and a church. And I have two thoughts I want to lay out and then pray and then move into the sermon uh, the first is the events of this week is a reminder of the dark world in which we live. And as we, as we move into Holy Week, we're reminded Jesus entered into a city knowing full well that city was going to, to murder him. The very city of God's people, that's how dark this world is. These things sadly should not surprise us in this world. The second thing I want to speak to or just name is the vulnerability of the realization that it, it, it would seem that Christians in particular were, were targeted for violence. And of course, Jesus told us we should expect that. And so I want to read his words addressing this dynamic to us and then pray and let his words form and direct our response. Jesus had this to say to us in Matthew 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons and daughters of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sins rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let me pray for us. Father, would our world know us as people like you, who while we were your enemies, Christ died for us. May we love our enemies the way that you have loved us, with patient, gentle, sacrificial living, pointing to you, the one true God and Father. We pray these things in your Son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our text for this morning is going to be Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. And if, uh, if you are able, would you please uh, stand as I read God's word for us? Uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. <clears throat> While Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus... He fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest. Make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad. Great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. And this is God's word. You may be seated. Jesus is confusing. Sometimes I read what he did, and I just ask why. For instance, this story. Jesus heals a man of a serious condition, leprosy. It's an incredible moment, but then he does something that startles me. He heals the man and says to the man, tell no one. Why? Why wouldn't Jesus say to the man, tell everyone? That's confusing. Jesus does something astonishing and then wants secrecy. I think one reason that's confusing is we live in a culture where that doesn't make sense. We live in a culture that believes anything interesting we do, we must tell everyone immediately. That's why Dude Perfect is so much fun to watch. Imagine Dude Perfect performing a trick shot shooting a basketball off the top of a building, making the shots, and then not telling anyone, not sharing the video. I realize this illustration might be for the next service, but for most of you, just, just Google Dude Perfect when you go home. Or uh, I love this, the late comedian Norm Macdonald has a great joke about this. He pointed out that most of our great-grandparents only had one photo taken of them, but it's not anymore. Uh, Our descendants will be able to say of my generation, hey, do you want to see 100,000 photos of my great-grandfather? Here's everything he ever did in his life. (laughs) Our cultural ethos is is very different than what Jesus is doing here. Uh, But there's something even more confusing in this dynamic for me. I mean, Jesus heals a man of a terminal illness. Think about how we do this. When someone goes through cancer treatment and comes out cancer-free, we want everyone to know. I love seeing the videos of someone leaving the hospital for the last time, and they, they ring the bell to announce they're cancer-free. They let the world know. Why doesn't Jesus want to let the world know? Why does he say to the leper, tell no one? Jesus does not do what he think, what we think he might do, so who exactly is he? Who is Jesus? His desires for the leper's silence reveal something about him that I think matters for you and for me. And I hope you'll stay with me for the next few minutes as I try to unpack that for us together. Because in many ways, Jesus' healing here is exactly what we've already read in Luke's Gospel. Jesus speaks a word and a person is healed. We saw that two weeks ago. Jesus speaks. He rebukes demons, casts out fevers, has total authority and power over everything by his words. He says, be clean. The man is clean. The words of Jesus contain power. But Jesus does something else in this healing. Something he does not have to do. Something he should not have done according to the expectations of his day. Verse 13. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. He touches a leper. That move would have shocked the people around him. You did not touch lepers in this day. In fact, lepers were supposed to be cordoned off in their own enclaves, shut away from others so that their leprosy could not spread to others. So the very fact that this man approaches Jesus asking for healing was an extraordinary act of courage by the leper. He's breaking every social custom. And then Jesus breaks every social custom by touching him. Why? Why would Jesus do this? Because he doesn't have to he could speak and heal but he reaches out and touches the man why well, we believe in a or live in a culture that believes time equals money so the more you do in the time you have the more money you can make and so we're always rushing always producing always doing time is Money it's probably why uh, parents like me schedule our kids to the brink so they will be properly skilled, have the right resume, get into the right college and have the right the best possible future. Why? To make more money. Time equals money. But what if we're wrong about that? What if that vision of life isn't right? What if time equals something else? A theologian, John Swinton, has a book where he reflects on this question and asks, what if, what if time does not equal money and cultures that, that act like time equals money end up very unhealthy because they miss the fact time is something else, that time is, is love? And so he writes, when time is money, speed equals more of it. When time is love... Speed equals less. You cannot love people in a hurry. To physically touch someone, for Jesus to lay his hand on the leper, is to slow down, to look the man full in the eye, and to give him time to love him. You cannot reach out and touch another person and not slow down. Unless you're like physically attacking them, then you try to get out of there. But that's not love. This requires slowness. And so who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is the one who loves at the father's speed. One of the reasons why this story connects with me is is as a father to a son with a physical disability, is that to love my son well, I have to slow down. There are tasks where if I rush through them, What I will be communicating to my son is, I don't want to be with you. I'd rather be somewhere else. But to slow down is to communicate, I don't want to be doing something else with someone else. I want to be right here with you. To slow down is is to love. And of course, Jesus here is ministering to someone with a physical disability. A leprosy was a physical disability, And once you were infected with leprosy, you were in danger of of losing parts of your body. Fingers could fall off. Over time, you would have a terrible time moving. White sores would be all over your body. This man's body would have been frustrating to most people who encountered him. His limitations. The only way you could love a leper was to slow down. So Jesus slows down. This is a powerful meditation on on love, what love is, for Jesus to reach out and touch a man who maybe had not been touched in years by another person. I don't know if this is true, but I've I've heard it said that the average human being to be joy filled needs four hugs a day. Don't test that out on me after the service. I don't know if that's true. This man would not have been touched for years. So Jesus reaches out to touch him because he knows what this man has not experienced. So he slows down to love him. And there are a lot of great definitions of love I've heard through the years. But I want to share with you what might be my, my favorite definition. One I read a few weeks ago meditating on this text. It's from a, Joseph, a German philosopher named Joseph Piper who says, Love is, is when you say this to another person. I am glad that you are here. I am glad that you exist. I cannot think of a better way to explain what Jesus is doing in this moment. Lepers were supposed to to yell out unclean to say, essentially, stay away from me. But the leper doesn't do that with Jesus. He comes towards Jesus. And Jesus, rather than embodying the cultural customs of his day, stay away from me, he does the opposite. He slows down, he doesn't just heal the man. He physically touches the man as if to say to this man, I'm glad you are here. I'm glad that you exist. By touching the man, Jesus is saying, the thing that keeps you away from, from everyone else won't keep me away from you because I can slow down. I'm glad to be here with you. All of you, leprosy included. And if that's who Jesus is, then church, let us seek to love at the speed of Jesus. It's one reason why I believe so deeply in ministering to people of all abilities. That To love someone with an intellectual disability, you have to listen more intently. You might have to speak more slowly. And in a culture where time equals money, let's go is our catchphrase. We are not going to be able to love people who need us to slow, them, slow down. Because they're costing us money. We want to hurry up. Of course, we don't think that, but that is what's underneath our struggles to love those of all abilities. And again, Jesus is here ministering to someone with a physical disability. Someone whose body is vulnerable. No one would have touched him. And the only way this man could have been healed, like truly healed, was for Jesus to replace that absence of touch with a physical touch. Again, this is how John Swinton describes what Jesus is doing. Uh, To give generously of one's time, to care, notice, value, and appreciate time, is to adopt the attitude of Jesus and to begin to tune one's body into the cadence of God's time and the redemption of all time. What he's saying is we have to move out of the vision of life that says time equals money and move into a vision of life that's... Time is love, and that requires us to notice people, to care for them. But that's not just true of people with disabilities. We all need to be loved slowly. It's easy for us to look at a person, determine a snap judgment, and then write that person off because we make assumptions. We do that rather than slow down to love that person, to understand their story. Maybe that thing they did that we don't like, that annoys us and everyone else, is a wound from their past. And could we slow down enough like Jesus to actually to actually touch them? To be glad they exist and to understand who they are and to be someone who contributes to the healing of their wound? Or are we in too much a hurry to love? And maybe this is one reason why Jesus insists on secrecy. He's not interested in fame. He's not interested in recognition. He's not interested in power. He's interested in love. He's living in a different time than us. And so he has to insist with the leper, please don't tell anyone yet. I won't be able to love in the way I need to love if the word gets out too fast. Tell no one. I have work to do. I don't know if that's right or not, but but I do know that's one reason why Jesus touches the leper. He knew how to love. Uh, but there's another reason. Lepers were, were cast out of the community, considered unclean. And, and the assumption and the fear was their uncleanness could get to you, could make you unclean. And so if you, if you got near a leper who is unclean, you're now unclean. And that's what makes Jesus' love of the leper so powerful, is that he receives the man and his physical condition fully. To touch the man, Jesus is saying, I'm bringing you back into the community where you have been cast out. Where, Where you have been sent away, I'm bringing you back in. That for Jesus to touch this leper is for Jesus to do what he said he came to do back in Luke 4, his first sermon back in Nazareth when he said of himself from Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to set the oppressed free. The leper is a prisoner shut out of his own community because of his disability and his limits. And so Jesus does something here that's fundamentally different than how human beings have acted throughout history because Jesus is a completely different type of human being. We always find reasons to exclude, to cast away, to find people as unclean and send them away from us. And it's worth asking, why do we do that? Why do we send away people of difference? Why do we demonize those often we don't understand? In 2015, a a publication in Denmark ran with the title, Down Syndrome Heading for Extinction in Denmark. And the article went on to say that in Denmark, 98% of pregnancies with Down syndrome uh, culminate in an abortion which meant Down syndrome people were becoming non-existent in Denmark. And a study cited in the article said most people believe that was a good thing. No more Down syndrome people. We're eradicating it from our culture. It's very little different than what's happening in this passage with the leper. Rather than love the leper in the way he needed to be loved, he's cast out of the community. Rather than seeking to love and understand those with disabilities, increasingly, our culture, we develop tests to discover those differences so that we can prevent those people from ever getting the chance to fulfill their vocation within God's creation. Why do we do that? Again, John Swinton, here's how he answers that question. Within modernity, the existence of vulnerable lives does not seem inevitably to draw out love and a desire to care. Rather, such lives act as reminders of the fragility of our cultural idols of reason, intellectual prowess, autonomy, freedom, and self-representation. Reminding people of such fragility, challenges are taken for granted perceptions of human flourishing and draws out anxiety and fear. Violence is the inseparable companion of fear. Here's what he's saying. Whenever we have someone with a disability in front of us, leprosy, Down syndrome, whatever, that person is a reminder, one day I might get leprosy. One day someone might have to take care of me like that. I'm, I'm not the master of my own fate. I'm not in control of my own destiny. Vulnerability will get to me at some point. And we don't want to be reminded of that. And so we cast people away. We don't have to see to be reminded of our own vulnerability, our frailty. And again, that's what makes Jesus touching the leper so powerful to me. Everyone else sees the leper with fear. The unclean one who reveals my own vulnerability, my own potential for uncleanness. This leper might make me a leper. But Jesus is the opposite. Instead of the leper's uncleanness overpowering Jesus, Jesus' cleanness overpowers the leprosy. That Jesus has the power to unleper the leper. Who is this Jesus? Jesus is the one who seeks the ones who have been cast away. And that's important. Because what do you think might cause God to cast you away? What would that be? And we've titled the series Seeking Jesus because both we... We believe the Gospel of Luke invites you to spend your life seeking after Jesus. But also because we believe Jesus is seeking you. Because we have things in us that we think might cast us away. And it's, it's in this story, not just that Jesus heals the leper, he touches the leper. And with that touch, Jesus is saying two things. Both, I am not going to leave you. right? I love you. And two, I can heal you of whatever has caused you to be cast away from other people. And that's why we see the castaways of Jesus or castaways of a society gathering around Jesus. The people of the first century Jewish culture that society casted away are the ones who flocked to Jesus. Lepers, tax collectors, prostitutes, sinners. They're gathering around Jesus. The castaways are attracted to Jesus. And I want to pose the question, are the castaways in our culture of today as attracted to his church, as the castaways of Jesus' day were attracted to him. first requires asking, who are the castaways of today's society? It's a complicated question. I'm not going to go into that, but I will ask, answer the question, are the castaways of today attracted to, our, to, to the church of Jesus Christ? In 2019, the Barna study, a Barna group asked for non Christians uh, what words they would use to describe Christians, and the results were not encouraging. Less than 10% of non Christians would use the word caring to describe an evangelical Christian. Less than 10% of non Christians would have used the words hopeful, generous, or encouraging to describe an evangelical Christian. The people who most reflect the teachings of Jesus in this day in our culture are not viewed as caring, generous, hopeful, or encouraging. Now I want to be clear. Why our culture has negative perceptions of us is very complicated. And some of it is no doubt because we hold views of the world aligned with Jesus and our culture does not like much of what Jesus had to say on those things. That's a part of it, no doubt. And that's why some progressive Christians would say, well, that's why you throw out that vision of life in the Scriptures. Let people live how they want. Don't try to to constrain them. Let them be free. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't say live however you want. He had no trouble naming sin, naming clear boundaries, yet people were still deeply attracted to him. Maybe our, our problem today is that we've learned to speak the truth, we've named the boundaries, we believe the Scriptures, which should and never change, Maybe we've learned the truth of Jesus, but we haven't quite slowed down to love like Jesus yet. I said this a few weeks ago. I want to say it again. You need to go see Jesus' Revolution, although full transparently, I haven't seen it yet. I've only read the biographies of of people of that story. Um, But the sad reality of that movie is there were Christians who could not bring themselves to love hippies. They could not say to a hippie, I am glad that you exist. I'm glad that you're here. No, what they said was, when you change and clean up and like our music, then we're glad that you exist. I'm glad that you exist. I'm glad that you're here. Who would you struggle to say that to? Who are the unclean? The people you have never slowed down to love quite yet. I can't answer that for you. I can answer that for myself, but I I won't. That's... For me and the Lord. But I hope you'll pursue that question. But I, I've lost sight of my question. So back, back to the original question. Why does Jesus insist on secrecy from the leper? Well, to answer that question means we got to come into Palm Sunday, which is our Sunday this morning. Because on this Sunday, Palm Sunday, Jesus' desire for secrecy comes to a complete end. Jesus no longer says, don't tell anyone. In fact, he says the opposite. Here's what happens on Palm Sunday in Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 19, verses 29 through 40. And when Jesus drew near to Bethpage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has yet ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away found it just as he told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, The very stones would cry out. Now this is a shift in strategy, right? From don't tell anyone to if you stop, the stones will start. This is a major shift. So what's going on? Well, Jesus is not subtle in this passage. The first he asks for a cult, a reference back to the old testament, Zechariah nine nine, which is a messianic prophecy. For Jesus to ride this colt into Jerusalem is for him to call out, I am the Messiah. Then his disciples are like, okay, when we untie this colt, the owner is going to want to know why we're taking his colt. So what should we tell him? And it's a little bit lost in translation, but essentially Jesus says to them, you tell him when the king wants a colt, the king gets a colt. The Lord has need of it. You don't question the king, so he's taking the colt. That's what's going on there. Then his disciples start singing Psalm 118 over him as he enters Jerusalem. Psalm 118. It's a psalm about the king of Israel. And Jesus lets them sing it to him. I'm the king. Sing me the song. And this is deeply offensive to the religious leaders. So they look at Jesus and say, tell your disciples to stop. This is is wrong. And Jesus says, "I, I can't. Because even if they stop, the stones will start. This is different from Luke 5, tell no one. So what's changed? Why from the secrecy to let it loose? Sing the songs about me. Well, here's my answer. Most uh, World War historians would say that, that World War II was essentially over after D-Day. If you know the story, it's, it's incredible. The 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 invasion of the beach, followed by uh, paratroopers flying over and then dropping into enemy territory. And so many Allied troops made it behind enemy lines that there was just no way Germany was going to win at this point. Imagine that getting in a plane, flying through German bombs and artillery, and then landing in foreign territory. I believe that's what Jesus was doing in Luke 5. He had come from heaven, landed into enemy territory. Town by town, territory by territory, he's setting prisoners free. Cleansing lepers, healing the blind, preaching good news to the poor. And he was not ready for the publicity until he had conquered so much territory, the battle's over. And now Jesus, having invaded enemy territory, healing lepers, preaching good news to the poor... The invasion is over, and now he's ready for his public outing. Now the invasion is complete. He's ready. And I think that because of Zechariah 9.9, that that prophecy that Jesus is claiming to fulfill is not about someone who is not yet a king riding a colt. It is about a king who's conquered his armies riding a colt, who's claiming victory, who's saying, I've come what I've set out to do. Peace has been accomplished. Victory is certain. No one can stop what has been started. They will try to stop what has been started, but they cannot stop what has been started. And the very fact that you and I are worshiping Jesus here on the corner of Lake Michigan 2,000 years after all this happened is proof. Jesus rode into Jerusalem as a king knowing what he had started back with that leper in Luke 5 will not stop until it's invaded every corner of the globe. That's right. We got like four people excited about that. I'll take it. But here's the weird thing about our story. Is they they did appear to stop him. And they actually treated Jesus like a leper. He rides into the city. And they ride him right back out. And give him the most shameful, harrowing death. A death that even the Old Testament says should be reserved only by those on whom a, a curse of God rested. But once again, the cleanness, the wholeness of Jesus overcomes the uncleanness of the cross. His goodness more powerful so that now his goodness has spread into all corners of the world, which means for you and me, whatever we think might keep us away from Jesus, what we think God would cast us out for, Jesus, like he healed the leper, can heal us and you of whatever that is and bring us back in. He has taken the place of the true unclean one cast out of the city so that he could bring you back in. So what is it? that you think makes you unclean? What is it that would would cause you to be cast out? And I just want to say to you this morning, God will not cast you out. Jesus will receive you as you are, heal you, and love you. Let me pray for us. Father, we all need the healing of the leper in our own way. Uh, And so as... As we come, we got our own stories, our own, our own histories. I pray uh, you'd use this space now as we sing, God, to be drawn into worship, to receive your healing. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net.